that. All right, Psalm 19, if you're able to, please stand for the reading of God's Word, verse 7 down through verse number 10. And we'll be looking at more of the passage as we go along, but for the sake of our opening reading, we'll be in verse 7 down through verse 10. I'll begin in verse 7, we'll read every other verse together, and we'll begin reading together in verse 8. The Bible says in verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Together, verse 8, the statues of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. We're looking at uh, this series, my walk with God, in particular, my passion. My passion. What are we passionate about? Last week we talked about a heart that obeys. This week our sermon title is this, A Heart for God's Word. A Heart for God's Word. Are you in love with the Bible? Are you in love with the Bible? We're going to look at that today. Uh, Many of us, if we're honest, would say, I like the Bible. I want to love the Bible but I don't quite love it as much as maybe I ought to. And we're here today to encourage you to fall in love deeper with the Word of God. Let's pray. Lord, thank you today for uh, the, the service we've already had and enjoyed. Lord, if we closed up shop and went home, we've already enjoyed good singing that we've been a part of as a congregation. Our heart's been blessed through special. Uh, Lord, we've had plenty of opportunity to worship you, but Lord, now we want to worship you through the Word. And so, Lord, help our hearts to be in tune and attentive. Help us, Lord, to leave here determined to be more in love with the Bible, more devoted to the Bible, not only to read it and study it, but to go forth and put it in practice and live it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, I begin with a question to each of you this morning. When when you think of the Bible, what comparative piece of literature comes to mind. What comparative piece of literature comes to mind? Some peop for some people the Bible is like a school handbook. Like a school handbook. I went off to college. I went to a Bible college. I went to a very conservative, strict Bible college. I mean they were very conservative and strict. And uh, you not only could you not Uh, touch girls, guys couldn't touch girls, you weren't even allowed to shake a girl's hand. You know, it's just, it it, it was a whole nother level, and they had rules around everything. And every uh, semester, they give you the handbook, and in that handbook, it was filled with thou shalts and thou shalt nots. And uh, you had to read all of the thou shalts and thou shalt nots. And uh, about four weeks into the semester, they'd hand you a piece of paper and make you sign off that you had read this 25 to 35 page book of rules. And for some people, they view the Bible uh, the way that I viewed that handbook. It's nothing more than just a list of rules that uh, tells us what we have to do and what we can't do. Uh, some people compare the Bible to Shakespeare. Shakespeare. Uh, how many of you remember back in your time in school and you had to learn a little bit of Shakespeare? Romeo, Romeo, right? Where art thou, O Romeo? 
And uh, uh, Shakespeare would have written around the time the Bible was translated. So in Shakespeare, you have all the these and thous and thines and hast and hast nots. And uh, many people think when they read the Bible, they're reading Shakespeare. And the Bible has been compared uh, on a literary level with some of the most premier uh, uh, pieces of literature in the world. Some people compare the Bible to the works of Shakespeare. Others compare the Bible to a college textbook. A college textbook. They want to get in and study and, 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 and dive deep and parse and, and understand. And, and to them, it's to, how can I grow my wealth of knowledge? To them, the Bible is like a college textbook. And, and I would say that uh, there, there are some here that no doubt have uh, those thoughts that come to mind, those comparative literatures that come to mind. But I think this next one maybe applies to most, most folks here today. Many compare the Bible to the Encyclopedia Britannica. The Encyclopedia Britannica. How many of you remember the commercials from the 80s and 90s of the Encyclopedia Britannica, right? And they would throw in all these extras if you bought it, right? Buy today and we'll cut the price in half. And buy today and we'll include this and, and uh, the, the old infomercial. But uh, people were buying up the Encyclopedia Britannica. And you'd have all of these shelves and, and, and they'd be lined up there. And you'd have a question. This is pre-internet. You'd have a question and you'd go and you, you'd pull the book based on the, the catalog of letters and you'd open it up and there it was. And many people treat the Bible that way. Uh, what problem am I having right now? Let me go to the Bible and find a verse that fits that, that will help me in this moment. The Bible is treated like an encyclopedia. To you young kids, Encyclopedia Britannica was the written out form of Wikipedia. All right? You all know what Wikipedia is. Except Encyclopedia Britannica was more, more accurate than Wikipedia. All right? Um, uh, so how does God want us to see the Bible? Does he want us to see it like an encyclopedia? Does he want us to see it like Shakespeare? Does he want us to see it like a college textbook? Does he want us to see it like a, like a school handbook? God wants us to see the Bible as a love letter. That's how God wants us to see it. John chapter 3 and verse 16, maybe the most famous verse in the Bible. Say it with me if you know it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Someone once said all of the verses of the Bible are arrows that point directly to John 3.16. All of the verses in the Bible prior to John 3.16 point to it, and all of the verses after point back at it. John 3.16 is the theme verse for the whole Bible. Um, uh, God wants us to fall in love with His love letter to us. To us. Now, I told this illustration to my starting point class a few months ago. If you were in there, you'll just have to grin and bear it because I'm going to tell it again. All right. Uh, when I was a senior in college, I had six credits left, and I was uh, engaged to be married to my now wife, and I had no money in the bank. I was completely broke. And so I thought about staying that last semester and uh, earning those six credits. Uh, 
The problem was we would have gotten married and had no money for down payment uh, for um, an apartment uh, or uh, we would have had nothing, nothing whatsoever. So what I did is instead is I left her there at college and I went back home to my parents 750 miles away and I worked three jobs, three jobs. I taught in the Christian school. I worked a third hour shift uh, job at Solo Cup driving a forklift and then I was doing some construction work uh, for a, a man similar to what Brother Barra does and doing some construction work there and I held three jobs for about four months and I slept about four or five hours a night and I worked all of these hours just saving up every dime I could uh, in order to be able to have the money I needed to be able uh, to get married and uh, Angela and this is before text messages were really a thing. Um, uh, you remember, you guys remember texting on the T9 keyboards? You all remember that? The, the ABC, to get the letter C, you'd have to hit the number two three times. And you, all, you all remember that? And so, you know, you weren't sending long text messages to each other. It just, that just wasn't how that worked, especially when you're getting five hours of sleep a night. You're not using the T9 keyboard to text. And so Angela would write me, love letters in our engagement time. I still have all of those love letters, by the way. And uh, when we're not getting along, I pull them down. And No, I'm just teasing. Uh, but um, I have the, all those love letters. And she would do something with those love letters. She would take some perfume and she would spray that on uh, the letter and she'd stick that down in the envelope. And I would get home from work and I would go out and check the mailbox and I would um, uh, get that love letter. And I would very carefully uh, open it up, and I would pull that letter out. And you know what? I would read it, and my heart would just beat inside my chest. And I would read it, and I would read it again, and I would read it again. Amen. Amen. Um, I was in love, and still am, but I was in love with my fiance, and was counting down the days until I got to see her again. You know, God... Left, uh, sent Jesus to earth. Jesus went to heaven and has promised to come back and see us again. In the meantime, he's given us a love letter. And he wants us to read it and read it and read it again and fall in love with this book. Listen, if you have an attitude, you see the Bible as merely, um, merely a, uh, a rule book. My friend, it is a rule book. It is a rule book. There are the Ten Commandments. There are plenty of thou shalts and thou shalt nots. But if your attitude toward the Bible is it simply a rule book, meaning to, meaning to step on top of you and hurt you in some way or ruin your fun, you have the wrong idea of what the Bible is. The rules are not there to ruin your life. The rules are there to protect you and maximize your joy in life. Uh, the Bible is a textbook. Uh, everything in it is factually accurate. Uh, and, and, and 1 Timothy 3 says we're to study, to show ourselves approved unto God. You are to study the Bible like a textbook, but it's so much more than just a textbook. The Bible is in some ways an encyclopedia. It, it touches on every topic important to mankind. While it is not a science book, where it speaks on science, it is accurate. It is not a history book, but where it speaks on history, again, it is accurate. The Bible is not a philosophy book, but uh, the philosophies laid out in it are immaculate and perfect, just like an encyclopedia uh, uh, for any problem that you have in life. It lays out an answer. It lays out 
a solution. But God does not want us to see the Bible as a school handbook. He does not want us to see it simply as a textbook. He does not want us to see it as some perfect form of literature. He does not want us to only to view it as an encyclopedia. God wants us to develop an appetite for the Bible. He wants us to view His Word as a love letter. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6 says this, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. I told the church this on Wednesday night, and I got this from Brother Owens. I've got to give credit where it's due. Brother Owens was stopped by my office uh, last week, and I, I think he'd gotten this from somewhere else. Uh, I'm, he, it, it's way too good for him. So he had to have gotten it from somewhere else. Where are you at, Brother Owens? Uh, he's floating around here somewhere. Oh, he's out there. He's not even in here, and I'm picking on him. So, um, but uh, he he stopped my office and he said he said I read the other day that someone uh, someone uh, quipped and, and, and noted that uh, when you don't eat physical food you get hungry, right? And by not eating, you get hungry. But it's the opposite with spiritual food, the Word of God. When you eat the Word of God, and you eat the Word of God through your eyes and your ears, right? When you eat the Word of God, it makes you hungry for more. Makes you hungry for more. When you don't eat the Word of God, you're not reading your Bible. You're not walking with the Lord. You're not feasting on uh, the principles of the Bible. You have no appetite for it. How many of you here have ever gone a week or two, a month or two or three without reading your Bible and just realized I have no appetite? I have no, it, it, it's a chore to jump back in and start reading. It's a chore to jump back in and develop that appetite. But as we read the Word of God, more and more that appetite for God's Word, that craving for God's Word grows. And you get to the place where if you don't have it, uh, you have to have it more. And you read it and you have to have a little bit more. I propose that if we're going to have a heart for God, then we must learn to fall deeply in love with His Word. We must value it. We must cherish it. We must memorize its verses in our heads. We must hide its precepts in our hearts. We must practice its principles in our lives. The, the Bible must become our compass that leads us forward. It must become the manual by which we govern our homes, our towns, our states, and our country. God's Word must become paramount to each and every one of us. Let's look at three main thoughts as we consider our series, My Walk with God, My Passions, as we look at this title, A Heart for God's Word. Let's jump in this morning and notice point number one. Notice the description of God's Word. The description of God's Word. If you're new here this morning, uh, on the back of that bulletin you received on your way in, we hope you received on your way in, is a fill-in-the-blank outline. We encourage you to get a pen and take notes as you go here. The description of God's Word. Look back with me at Psalm chapter 19 and look at verse number 7. The Bible says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eye. Uh, the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgment of the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. I've, I've loved this passage for as long as I've known about it, known of it. One of the reasons why I've loved it is that this, this passage was written in Hebrew and translated into English, and it's one of these Hebrew poems that also works in English 
poetry. There's rhythm and rhyme to it, uh, in, even in the translation. I find that fascinating. I've always found that uh, really, really neat. So from these verses, we see God's Word described as, look here, the law of the Lord, the testimony of the Lord, the statutes of the Lord, the commandment of the Lord, the fear of the Lord, and the judgments of the Lord. The Bible is described in this passage in one, two, three, four, five, six different ways. But beyond the six descriptors here in Psalm 19, the Bible describes itself a multitude of other ways throughout Scripture. In Psalm 119, verse 105, the Bible is a lamp that illuminates. In the same verse, the Bible is a light that shines. I love that. Uh, the, the Bible says in Psalm 119, 105, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Watch this now. God's word shines straight down at our feet, showing us where we are to walk today, and it is a light that illuminates our path for where we are to walk tomorrow. It is a path that shows us where to walk today and how and where we're to walk tomorrow. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Um, uh, Isaiah chapter 55 in verse 10, the Bible is uh, rain and snow that causes growth. Aren't you glad that as you read the Word of God, there is this growth that comes about in your life because you are with, or you are inside of and dwelling in the Word of God. Jeremiah chapter 23 in verse 29, the Bible is a fire that refines and consumes. In the same verse, the Bible is a hammer that has the power to destroy. Matthew chapter 4 in verse 4, the Bible is spiritual food that nourishes nourishes the soul. That verse says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12, the Bible is a sword that pierces and divides asunder the thoughts and intents of the heart. Uh, Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 12, the Bible is solid food that strengthens the mature. In James chapter 1 and verse 21, the Bible is a plant that puts down root, roots and bears Fruit. In 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 23, the Bible is incorruptible seed that creates new life. And in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 2, the Bible is milk that nourishes the weak. The Bible is a powerful book. The Bible is able to do so much for us. The Bible is alive. It's not a book that's dead. There's a reason why it cannot be destroyed. Kings have sought to get rid of it, eliminate it. They have outlawed it in many countries even today. The Bible is outlawed in almost as many countries as it's not. Uh, the Bible is banned in a lot of places. If you're caught with a Bible, you'll be put in a, a work camp or you'll be killed. Even in many places today, kings have sought to get rid of it and destroy it when it was being translated out of the Latin and into the English uh, or English and German and many other languages. There were a group of people who sought to shut that down and destroy it. But my friend, God's Word is alive. God's Word is well. God's Word is uh, powerful. And it can help you if you'll let it. The Bible is God's holy Word. Uh, Jesus is the living Word and the Bible is the written Word. The Holy Bible is God's book for me. Uh, let me give you quickly here letter A, B, and a C out of Psalm 19. Notice letter A. It challenges us. It challenges us. Look down at verse number 7. The Bible says, The law of the Lord is perfect. Notice the gerund there, or the verb, converting the soul. Converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise 
the simple. It converts the soul. It challenges uh, the simple to become wise. Aren't you glad there was a day and time where the Word of God was explained to you, articulated to you, and the Scripture is what brought you to a place of conversion in Christ? How many of you remember the day that you got saved? Raise your hand and you remember the day you got saved. How many of you can remember the Bible verses that brought about that point of decision of salvation for you? The law of God shows us that we aren't able. In fact, Paul would raise up the law of God in the book of Romans and say, if it weren't for the law, how would I know how broken and corrupt I am? Please understand today that if you're trying to get to heaven by keeping the law of God, the law of God is not meant for you to try to keep so you can earn your way into heaven. The law of God is our schoolmaster. It shows us where we fall short. It shows us that we are in need of a Savior who came along and completed the law on the cross and brought about grace to forgive you of where you've broken the law and convert your soul to salvation. The law of the Lord is perfect. It converts the soul. I'm so glad that I understood as a small child that I was a broken sinner in need of a Savior and I turned my heart over to Christ and my soul was converted. But not only does it challenge us us to be saved, the testimony of the Lord is sure. What does it do? Verse 7 says it makes wise the simple. It, It makes wise the simple. That means one who is simple and doesn't understand and doesn't know where to go and doesn't know how to live and doesn't understand the complex things of life or even spiritual things. The testimonies of the Lord can take you from being simple in your understanding of the Bible and turn you into a wise man. Some of you here today, God's given you a high IQ and you're able to read and analyze and understand. Others of you here today, you open the Bible and you have a hard time pronouncing all of the thou shalt and thou shalt nots and the these and thou's and nines and all the big names get you tripped up and I would just say here to you today the Bible promises that if you'll stay with it and you'll stay at it while it might be a challenge uh, the word of God will challenge you to go from being simple to being wise this is part of the reason why God tells us in the Bible that it is the simple things that confound the wise and the strong that confound or rather the weak that confound the mighty because you give me someone who is weak minded you give someone uh, Give me someone who's weak-bodied, and you have them pour their heart into the Word of God. They learn it. They study it. They memorize it. They live by it. That person in their simple-mindedness with the Word of God in their heart is far greater and far mightier than the wisest man who does not have the Word of God. The Bible, it challenges us. It challenges us to take the simple and make them wise. Let her be noticed. It cheers us. It cheers us. Look down at verse number 8. The Bible says the statutes of the Lord are right. Look here. Rejoicing the heart. Rejoicing the heart. Some of you uh, here are going through a difficult and challenging time in your life. Uh, We have several funeral services coming up in the next couple of weeks. I'm doing two this week and be a part of three within the next uh, handful of weeks. And who knows uh, what else lies down the road. And the loss of life is a challenging time when someone we love slips uh, slips out of this life and into the next. And it is the statues of the Lord that help rejoice our heart during these times of trouble. Others of you here today are going through some other sort of hardship and heartache. You're downtrodden and discouraged. You don't know where to go. And the Bible, uh, Jesus said over and over again, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And uh, the, the Bible is there to offer you rest for your weary soul. You turn to the statues of the Lord, and what do they do? 
they rejoice the heart. It cheers us. Notice verse 8 says in the second half, the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. I think of John, the book of John, where Jesus said, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And listen, as we are enlightened by truth, uh, we are cheered up because we know uh, that God's Word is there to help us. The Word of God, it provides peace during the hard times and it provides perspective during life's challenge. But not only does it uh, challenge us, uh, not only does it cheer us, let her see, notice it changes us. It changes us. Look at verse number 9, Psalm 19 in verse 9. The Bible says, the fear of the Lord is clean. Notice there it says, enduring forever. Enduring forever. Listen, I don't want to change the Word of God uh, to match my lifestyle. I want to change my lifestyle to match the Word of God. We have a world today who's trying to take the Bible and change what it says and change what it means in order to justify their living and their lifestyle. And my friend, we're not to bring the standard of the Holy Word of God down to our corruptible life. We're to bring our corruptible lives up to the standard of the holy and perfect Word of God. It ought to change us. The Word of God ought to change us. And the Bible says that it is clean. It is clean in every way. It is perfect. It is whole. And listen, one thing about truth is it might hurt your feelings, but truth is truth and truth cannot be changed. And it's, it's high time that you and I take our lives and we let the Word of God change us. Change us. You can push against all you want what the Bible says. You can disagree with it all you want. You may not like it, but my friend, it would be a happy day when you come in line and say, I'm going to let the fear of the Lord rule and reign in my heart. He is supreme. He is on the throne. He is my authority. He is in charge. He will endure forever, and I will get in line with Him. The judgment of the Lord, the rest of the verse says, are true and righteous altogether. When God makes a judgment, and the Scriptures are filled with the judgments of the Lord. When God makes a judgment, what it does is it shows us that His judgments are perfect. How many of you here with kids ever had your kids come to you and they have two opposite sides of the story? Right? He said this. I didn't say that. Well, someone's lying. And you sit there as a mom or a dad and you, you ask all of the questions, right? And you try to gather all the facts. And you, you try to make a perfect judgment. How many, of you are, um, uh, how many of you are honest with yourself to know that you don't always get it right? You don't always get it right, okay? And listen, God always gets it right. He always gets it right. Because you know why? He knows everything. He knows what you're thinking right now. Some of you are thinking about you're still upset the coffee machine broke this morning, right? <laughs> you're all worked up over that. and uh, You're going to withdrawals right here. I, I didn't get coffee at home because so I thought they'd have it at the church and they let me down. And you can't focus on the message. What does God's Word do? It, it, it challenges us. It, it cheers us. It, it, it changes us. We see number one the description of God's Word. Number two, notice our delight for God's Word. Our delight for God's Word. We're going uh, to look at some several verses here this morning, beginning in Psalm 19 and verse number 10. David said here, he said about the Word of God, More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, 
Sweeter also than honey in the honeycomb. My wife went through this passage in the ladies' class last week, and I'm going to give her credit because this was her material. But she had made the point that in old days, um, old days of old, they would put a jar of honey on the table, and that was a sign of wealth. You had a jar of honey on the table, that meant that you were wealthy. But guess what? If you put that jar of honey on the table and you never eat it, then the medicinal qualities of honey can never help you. A lot of people, they've got copy after copy after copy after copy of the Bible, and all it does is sit on the coffee table, sit in their car. The only time they open it is when the pastor tells them to, if they're even uh, not too lazy to do that. I'm amazed. I say, open your Bible to and some people just sit there. Do you have a Bible? Do you know how to open it? Do you know how to use it? Get the Bible out. Let the Word of God. Listen, don't come here to hear me speak. Don't come here to check some box of, uh, of religious uh, obligation. I, well, I got my hour and a half in again at church this week. I'm good to go. Listen, uh, open up the Bible and delight in what it has to say. When the pastor says, turn to a certain passage, make the effort to turn to that passage and look at it and read it. You say, I've already got that verse memorized. Look at it and read it anyway. Why? Because the Bible is like gold. It's in in fact, it's greater than even the finest gold. When we think of gold, we think of something that is valuable. Now imagine that you were a collector of gold coins. And you had all kinds of coins that you had uh, collected over the years, but you had just a handful made of the finest of gold that you could find. You would cherish your entire collection, but you would keep those gold coins under lock and key. You would put them in protective cases. You would make sure they were looked after and cared for. In fact, you would delight to show off all that you had. But then when it came to that finest of gold, your greatest delight would be to show off those coins made of the finest of gold. Now, I want to be clear this morning. I delight in a lot of things. I delight in my wife. I've been married for 14 and a half years, and I love, love, love being married. I delight in uh, uh, the wife of my youth. I delight in my son. I love my son. Uh, we put a ping pong table down in our basement a couple of weeks back. We've been playing a lot of ping pong. You any ping pong stars here? I'm getting warmed up and ready for you. All right, we're going to have a match. Uh, and Matthew's getting better by the by the by the hour. And uh, I love my son. I love. I delight in my son. I enjoy doing things with my son. We go to baseball games and we have a great time uh, playing sports and watching sports. I love my daughter. My daughter and I love ice cream. We go and get ice cream together sometimes. And uh, she's got a, a bubbly and fun personality. And uh, we, we enjoy going places together. If you're ever down and need a, a pick me up, get around April. Once you get to know her, she will encourage you. I love my pet. Notice I said pet, not pets. You say, Do you have pets in your house? Yes, I have a dog and I have a cat. Guess which one I don't like very much? Amen. I love my dog. Amen. Ginger is great. And uh, we have a cat because years ago we had my, uh, mice problems in our house, and we got a cat to solve the mouse problem. I'm going to tell you, that cat does not solve the mouse problem. You know what that cat does? It announces the mouse problem. <sighs> not, to, not to chase this rabbit too far, this mouse too far off the trail here. Um, one night we, were, uh, we had a mouse problem one night, and, and Angela's, you know, doing what she usually does when there's a mouse problem, and 
Um, I'm in the kitchen, and I've got her shut up in the bedroom. I'm in the kitchen, and I'm sitting on top of the kitchen island, and I've got everything pulled away from the wall, and I'm watching my cat chase this mouse around the kitchen. And it picks it up and plays with it, and then it drops it and chases it some more. And I'm thinking, will you just kill the thing already? And after about 20 minutes, that mouse ran, un- ran under something and ran into the wall. And I said, oh, my. You said, well, what did you do when you went back in the bedroom? I told Angela that, that the, the, the cat killed the mouse. Amen? <laughs> I love my, I delight in my, my, my wife. I delight in my son. I delight in my daughter. I delight in my dog. Amen? Um, I, delight in, uh, I delight in my occupation. I love being a pastor. I love being a pastor. I love studying the Bible and writing sermons. I love helping people uh, through, through tough times. And, and, and I love being there for people when they're, when they're hurting. Uh, I love uh, rejoicing with people when they're rejoicing. I love what I do as a pastor. Uh, there are some food items I delight in. I delight in ice cream. I delight in steak dinners. I delight in Peruvian food. There are a lot of things which I delight in. But God wants us to value the Holy Bible above all the rest. He wants us to put the Bible high up on a pedestal and above how much we delight a family or a friend or an occupation or a hobby or or a food item. The Word of God should sit far and above and be far superior to all the rest of it. It is to be desired more than fine gold. Turn over to Psalm chapter 1. Psalm chapter 1. We're going to flip through the Scriptures this morning and look at several verses in the book of Psalm as we talk about delighting in the law of the Lord, delighting in the Bible. Look at Psalm chapter 1. This famous passage tells us about how we can flourish and and, and thrive under uh, God and and as a child of God. Look at verse 2. The Bible says, uh, Psalm 1-2, But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, look here, doth he meditate, mentally chew on, enjoy day and night. He delights in it day and night. He can't get enough of it. Someone said, well, where does the Bible say that we have to read the Bible and pray every day? Well, there's no commandment that says you must read me every day. But Psalm 1 tells us that if you're going to thrive as a Christian, then you must delight in the law of the Lord. Look at Psalm chapter 37. Psalm 37 and look at verse number 4. Psalm 37 is a great chapter that uh, talks about how to make it out of a difficult and challenging time in, in our life. And uh, here in Psalm 37, we find David going through some, some, some tough things. And verse 4, David says this, he says, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and He shall give thee the desires of thine heart. I can't think of a better way to delight yourself in the Lord than to delight yourself in the love letter that He's written to me and you. All right, the rest of the verses we're going to be looking at under point two are all found in Psalm 119, the longest chapter in the Bible. Turn over to Psalm 119. Look at verse 16. Psalm 119 and look at verse 16. The Bible says, I will delight myself in thy statutes. David says, I will not forget thy words. Look at verse 24. You get the idea here that maybe part of the reason why God said David was a man after his own heart, David had a heart in hot pursuit of God's heart, was because David was in love with the Scriptures. Look at verse 24. The testimonies also are my delight and my 
counselors. He said, I turn to the word of God to counsel me when I don't know where to go or what to do. Look down at verse number 35. 35. It says, make me to go in the path of thy commandments, for therein do I delight. Uh, David did not see the Bible or the Scriptures as some kind of a harsh rule book, an unreasonable rule book that that rained on his parade. Uh, David said, the commandments of the Lord, I delight in them. I I love them. I enjoy them. He said, uh, bring them on. They maximize my joy. They maximize my walk with God. Look down to verse 47. Verse 47. Uh, David said, and I will delight myself in thy commandments, which I have loved. Look down at verse 77. Psalm 119, 77. Let thy tender mercies come unto me that I may live, for thy law is my delight. Thy law is my delight. How about verse 92? Unless thy law had been my delight, I should then have perished in mine affliction. Look at what he's saying here. He's saying the law of God puts a fence around my life. And as long as I live inside that fence, I am protected and safe. He said when I step outside of that fence, that's where affliction can swallow me up. He said the law of the Lord, had they not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. Look down at verse 143. Psalm 119 143, David said, trouble and anguish have taken hold on me. He said, yet thy commandments are my delights. There are all kinds of coping mechanisms out there that people turn to when they're going through hardships. For some people, it's entertainment. For some people, it's some form of lust, whether that's a drug uh, uh, or it's a sexual lust uh, or it's food. There are a lot of different uh, things that people turn to to go through uh, when they're going through a hard time to cope. David said, when I'm going through a hardship, trouble and anguish, he said, my coping mechanism are the commandments of the Lord. They are my delight. I turn to the Scriptures. I turn to the Lord and I let the Lord, I let the the Word of the Lord uh, delight my soul and help me through my hardships. Look down at 174. Psalm 119, 174. David said, I have longed for thy salvation, O Lord, and thy law is my delight. Let me ask you this morning. This is going to set the stage for the final point in the sermon. Are you in love with the Bible? Are you in love with the Bible? If I were to sneak in your house and steal your Bible, and I were to steal your phone, and you weren't looking and it was unlocked, and I were to delete all your Bible apps, how long would it take you to notice? How long would it take you to notice? If I were to do it on a Monday, for some of you, you wouldn't know it until the next Sunday morning. when you're trying to get out the door and go to church. Let me ask another question. This only applies to a handful of you. I'm not picking on anyone. I'm just trying to help, help you see where you're at. Do you even own a Bible? Some people, they don't even own a Bible. They show up to church and they pick the one up out of the pew and, that's, and they put it back when they're done 
And they don't even look at a Bible the rest of the week. How often do you read the Bible? How often do you read the Bible? When was the last time that hot tears dripped off your cheeks and landed on the pages of the Bible because God was so stirring within you? When was the last time that memorizing a verse was not a chore, but something you had to do because that verse meant so much to you? When was the last time that a friend called you with a struggle? Your words of, your words of comfort to them was the Bible came stumbling out of your lips because you cared so much to help them. When was the last time you got into a conversation with another uh, person and the conversation naturally turned to the Scriptures because the Scriptures are your delight? You see, we know what's going on in Hollywood, many of us, and we know what's going on in the sports world. We know what's going on at work, and we know what's going on on our favorite social media platform, and we know what's going on with the gossip within our family. But, and we talk about those things, but do we talk about the Bible? Do we love the Word of God? Is it our delight? Is it our meditation all the day? Uh, are we like the, the psalmist David in Psalm chapter 1 that said, uh, uh, His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in His law doth He meditate, dwell on, think about, process day and night. Day and night. It's with us wherever we go. You wake up thinking about the Bible. You fall asleep thinking about the truths of the Bible. They come to mind when you have a few minutes where you're sitting alone and you're by yourself. How much in love are you with the Word of God? You see, you cannot have a heart for God. Our theme this year, you cannot uh, walk with God if you are not in the Word, walking with the Word, uh, uh, learning the Word, reading the Word, meditating in the Word, memorizing the Word. It is to be our delight. Our delight. Number one, the description. Number two, our delight. Number three, notice our development. Our development with God's Word. Now, some of you here are thinking to yourself, Pastor Lejeune, I want what you just said, but it's so hard. It's so difficult. Pastor Lejeune, when I pick up my Bible and I read it, I don't even understand what it says. And I read it, and I know this sounds bad, but I pick it up and I read it, and I put it down and I scratch my head and say, how did Pastor Lejeune get that out of that passage? It's there, but man, I just can't see it. I have a hard time with it. How many of you know what I'm talking about this morning? At some point in your life, maybe you're not there now, but you were at some point in your Christian life, right? You picked up the Bible and you thought, oh man, where do I even begin? How do I do this? This thing's huge. Where do I go? Well, I hope that that's where you're at today. I don't want to guilt trip you for not delighting the Bible. I want to put you on a, I want to give you a plan. I want to give you a path forward that will help you within 12 months to step back and go, I love, 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 love my Bible. Let me give you an A and a B here. Notice letter A, begin by drinking milk. Begin by drinking milk. Take your Bibles over to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 2. 1 Peter, 2 Peter, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, Jude, Revelation. 
all of those are short books. You get to Revelation, just flip back just a handful of pages to the left and you'll find 1 Peter. It's right after the book of James and right before 2 Peter and 1 John. 1 Peter chapter number 2 and find your way over to verse number 2. You found the book of Hebrews, keep going. Two more books to the right. 1 Peter chapter 2. Look down at verse number 2. Let everybody find it. Everybody there? Let's read it together. Ready? As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. I think about a baby nestled up to mom drinking in her milk. A baby who is being nourished through that milk. That child is not capable of drinking anything but milk, surviving off anything but milk. And that causes me, as I think about 1 Peter 2, 2, that causes me to stop and think about what milk actually is. Milk is meat or some sort of sustenance that has already been digested and turned into milk. Milk is meat that's been processed. No matter the animal, milk is meat that has been processed. When, when someone sits down and mentally chews on verses of Scripture and then produces a Bible lesson or sermon, and then you are there to receive that Bible lesson or sermon, you are drinking the milk. You are drinking in the milk. Uh, babies drink milk in order to develop and grow to the place where they can eat their own meat. You will not grow in the Lord if you are not drinking in the milk of God's Word. You're a new Christian. You've only been saved a short time. Maybe you've been saved a long time but have never tackled the task of, 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 of devouring the Bible on your own. Let me encourage you to begin by drinking good milk. Drinking good milk. Now, by the way, there is a difference, and I'm speaking metaphorically here, there is a difference between good milk and sour milk. There is a difference between good milk and watered-down milk. You must be very careful what you watch on the Internet. There are a lot of preachers on YouTube, you should have no business drinking their milk. It's sour milk that will hurt your spiritual stomach. You be very careful what milk you take in. You be very careful uh, to make sure that the Word of God is being rightly divided. And if you're young in the faith, let me encourage you, stick to a church like White Oak Baptist uh, where we have teachers all over this building. Uh, you can show up and you can be fed by them. You can be fed from this pulpit and, and, and you can develop enough spiritual discernment and spiritual teeth before you begin to launch out and consider what other uh, uh, preachers have to offer. Be very careful that you put good spiritual milk in your body. Now, how do you fast track it? How do you grow those spiritual teeth quickly? Well, let me give you three ways to drink spiritual milk. All right. The first one is attend life groups. Attend life groups. Write these down. I don't know if they're going to be on the screen, but write them down. Attend 
life groups. Listen, uh, I sat in the, I'm not teaching a life group this quarter. Uh, I'm in the lobby uh, making sure, I'm, I'm air traffic control in the lobby, making sure people get where they're supposed to go. And at 9.50 when people are standing around kicking them and saying, get to class, amen. Um, uh, I'm in the lobby. and uh, But, you know, I tell you, I walk around right now during life groups. And what I hear is I hear five or six uh, men and women who have taken the time to sit down with the Bible and mentally chew on it and process it and produce spiritual milk. And you know what's going on in this room and rooms like it all around the building at 945 on a Sunday morning? Spiritual milk is being given out. You say, well, I don't know how to read the Bible. I'm not uh, able to get anything out of it. Well, come to a church and sit in a class where a teacher has already taken the time to learn it and process it and can feed you and help you develop those spiritual teeth. A lot of people want to complain that they don't have any spiritual teeth, but they're not showing up and doing all they can to drink in that spiritual milk. Attend life groups. Here's the second way to drink in spiritual milk, all right? Attend all three church services. Attend all three church services. We have here at White Oak Baptist Church, we have a Sunday morning service. You're here at this one. You're aware of that one. Uh, We have a Sunday evening service that meets at 6 p.m. And we have a Wednesday evening service that meets at 7 p.m. And you know what we have at all three church services? We have spiritual milk that's put forth from this pulpit on out. In fact, Sunday evenings and Wednesday evenings, we go verse by verse through the Bible, much like you would in spiritual devotions, and we break down verse by verse, and we explain it and make it make sense. On Wednesday evenings, we have a discipleship program. We're getting ready to relaunch that anew here in a couple of months, but we have a discipleship program. And that discipleship program allows you to sit down with someone one-on-one and you are fed spiritual milk. Attend all three services. Some folks mock the idea of a pastor pushing their church, their, their people to be in church three times a week. And Lee Robertson was quoted as saying, three to thrive, three to thrive. And i got to say that if you want to thrive in the Lord, uh, spiritual milk is put out three times a week. Boy, uh, show up and get that milk and be fed. Another way you can grow in the Lord is use a devotional. Use a devotional. Uh, devotionals like Our Daily Bread have been out for a long time. I'm not necessarily endorsing any devotional wholly, but uh, pick a good devotional that takes a passage of Scripture. They have you read the passage of Scripture, and then they have broken it down and digested it and lay it out there in the form of milk, and it will help you to understand what you're reading. But if you are challenged by the Bible and don't know how to handle the Bible, begin by drinking milk. Letter B, grow to eat meat. Grow to eat meat. Take your Bibles over to Hebrews, two books to the left. Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5 and verse number 12. The Bible says, therefore, when the time, uh, for, for when for the time you ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. What he's saying here is you all have not, he's, he's chiding them. 
He's correcting them. And you find a similar correction being offered by Paul to the church of Corinth in the book of 1 Corinthians, where Paul says to the church of Corinth, the way the author of Hebrews is saying to the Jewish nation, listen, you all have been around this long enough to where you should have developed your own spiritual teeth, where you can eat your own spiritual meat, but you're not able to eat spiritual meat, so you need me to break it down in really simple terms and give you milk. Now, what is the goal for each of us here today, it is to fall in love with the Word of God on such a level to where this book right here can become something that we can enjoy. Here's the reality. On our, by the way, on our own. Um, I am a terrible, terrible cook. A terrible cook. All right? Um, if you were to give me one of those, um, let's see, the, the show on Food Network is Chopped, all right? If I were to be on Chopped, I would be the one out in round one, okay? I wouldn't wouldn't even qualify for the show. If you were to give me the kitchen that they provide on a show like Chopped and say, here are all of the ingredients, uh, go take and make something edible, uh, you wouldn't want to eat it. You'd probably get food poisoning, okay? I'm serious, I'm serious. Now, you can give Angela the same set of ingredients and many of the other women in the room here that cook, You can give others the same set of ingredients, and they would produce something that was not only edible, it it would be tasty. You know the difference between me and someone who can cook? Someone who can cook has taken the time to learn how to take meat and turn it into something that's enjoyable. Here's the reality. If you're going to learn to take the meat of God's Word and make it in a way that's savory for yourself and others, it's going to require a time and investment on your part. Let me give you here uh, a way to get going with personal Bible reading, all right? Write these down. Uh, Begin with these five books. If you want to know how to read your Bible, begin by reading these five books, all right? Um, And and do them in in this order, all right? Begin with the book of John. Begin by reading the book of John. Now, uh, John chapter 1 is long, and uh, if you're new to the Bible, may seem difficult But once you get past chapter 1 and to chapter 2, boy, the rest of the book flows really, really nice. I don't mean to undermine John 1. There's a lot of really, really good doctrine and truth in John 1. But for a new believer who's new to the Bible, John 1 might be a little bit of a challenge. John 2 on gets really, really easy to read. Uh, Then move on to the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs is filled with wisdom that's easy to understand. There are five main characters laid out in the book of Proverbs. That would be uh, the fool, the scorner, the simple, the prudent, and the wise. And when you read, think in those terms. But you have the book of John, then the book of Proverbs, then move on and read the book of Psalm. The book of Psalm or Psalms. By the way, there are 31 chapters in Proverbs. If you read one chapter a day, you'll read through the entire book in a month. There are 150 chapters in Psalm. Most of those chapters are short. You you can read one Psalm usually in just a few minutes, sometimes in less than 60 seconds. If you read five chapters of a Psalm a day, you can read through the entire book of Psalm in one month. 150 divided by 5 is 30. So uh, you can read five chapters a day of Psalm and read through that in a month. Once you've read through John and Proverbs and Psalm, move on to the book of Philippians. Read the book of Philippians, and then finish uh, with the book of Genesis, the book of Genesis. Once you've read those five books, then attempt to read through the whole Bible. Then read through the whole Bible. 
grow to a place where you can eat the meat of God's Word and feed yourself. Now, there are other ways to grow in God's Word, all right? Um, Write this little tip down here. Pray before you read and pray while you read. Pray before you read and pray while you read. When I'm getting ready to read my Bible, every single time I bow my head and I ask God to give me something spiritually discerning out of the passage that will help me. Help me for myself or help me for others. And then while I'm reading, I say, uh, as I read a verse, I say, Lord, thank you for this verse. Uh, Thank you for the truth in this verse. And and my heart is in constant communion with the Lord. I'm speaking to Him while He's speaking to me. All right? I finished the sermon this morning with an illustration. Uh, A a, a person by the name of Gaylord Kambarami was the general secretary of the Bible Society in Zimbabwe. He tried to give a New Testament to a very belligerent man. The man insisted he would roll the pages and use them to make cigarettes. Mr. Kambarami said, I understand that, but at least promise to read the page of the New Testament before you smoke it. The man agreed and the two men went their separate ways. Fifteen years later, this is a true story, fifteen years later, the two men met again at a convention in Zimbabwe. The scripture-smoking pagan had been saved and had become a full-time Bible-preaching evangelist. He told the audience, he said, I smoked Matthew and I smoked Luke. He said, I smoked Mark and then I smoked Luke. He said, But when I got to the page that had John 3.16, I couldn't smoke anymore. He said, my life was changed at that moment. Aren't you glad God's book is more than just words on a piece of paper? Aren't you glad that God's book is a love letter in which we can fall in love with and delight in it? Really simply put, do you love God's Word? Is it your meditation day and night? Let's have our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Is God's Word your meditation? Oh, your flesh doesn't want you to read the Bible. Your flesh does not want you to love your Bible. But once you fall in love with the Bible, the Spirit of God will keep those flames fanned and keep that fire hot. The Word of God is a powerful book and change your life. How many here today would say, Pastor Lejeune, pray that I will go from an encyclopedia attitude to a love letter attitude. Pastor, here's my hand. Pray for me that I'll love God's Word more and more and more. Would you please pray for me? Here's my hand. Many hands. Many hands. Some of you here today need to commit to being faithful to church. Boy, you're blessed. White Oak Baptist Church works hard to give good, solid milk that will grow you. That milk is no good if you don't expose yourself to it. How many of you here today would say, Pastor Lejeune, pray for me that I'll be more faithful 
to attend more church services. Here's my hand. Pray for me. Pray that God will help me to be more faithful to more church services. Boy, I pray that you'll make that commitment. Get under the spout where God's blessing, God's truth is pouring out. Boy, grow those spiritual teeth. How many here today would say, Pastor Lazarus, I'm going through a very difficult time in my life and I need the Word of God to cheer me during this challenging time in my life. Here's my hand, Pastor. Would you pray for me as I walk through this valley, this, this struggle? Pastor, please pray for me. I see your hands. I'll be praying for you this week as you walk through those struggles. Lord, help us today. Help us today to be people of the book. Help us today to be people who fall in love with your word and let it convert us and make us wise. Lord, thank you so much for being a God who cared enough for us to not only create us and leave us, you created us and left us with your word to guide us. Thank you for the Holy Spirit who leads us and guides us into all truth within that Bible. And Lord, help us today to be people who fall in love with that book. In Jesus' name.